As we uh, come to the end of our journey of the 12 steps, I have a song for you this morning. 12 steps toward spiritual growth. A deliberate, intentional exercise in growing up and becoming more mature. Uh, men and women that I've talked to that have worked through the 12 steps and can give testimony to how that track, that structure has brought um, healing to them is just a powerful story. But we all need that pathway of growth. We all need to be redeemed. Uh, we've all gone through difficult times. 10th Avenue North does a song called Worn. I'm going to read just a portion of the words before we listen to the music. I'm tired. I'm worn. My heart is heavy from the work it takes to keep on breathing. Ever been in a time where it just seemed so difficult that it was just hard to breathe? I've made mistakes. I've let my hope fail. My soul feels crushed by the weight of this world. And I know that you can give me rest, so I cry out with all that I have left. Let me see redemption win. Let me know the struggle ends that you can mend a heart that's frail and torn. I want to know a song can rise from the ashes of a broken life and all that's dead inside can be reborn because I'm worn. May you hear the voice of God through this song. <clears throat> Let me see redemption. 
Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Twelve steps, a classic model for spiritual growth. And today we come to step 12. Man, we need a drum roll. <laughs> Jeff, you're you're just amazing. You're amazing. Johnny on the spot. High speed C Spire broadband. Amen. How about that? How about that? <clears throat> wow, guys. Uh going through a deliberate and intentional process, spiritual growth. Um as we've gone through the 12 steps and as we'll uh, end today with step 12, as I've said to you before, I'm amazed at um, the God-inspired um, insight um, that these guys put together back in the 30s, Dr. Bob and Bill W. And again, always keep in mind that they were inspired by this and, and, and influenced so much by being in a Bible study with the Oxford group. I mean, this came just out of a Bible study, a bunch of broken guys that had learned to love Jesus and were entangled in their own addictive behavior. And they sat down and with a pastor there at the church, I can't remember the name of the church now, but I've been in the office where they, um, my daughters were in an internship in New York City in Gramercy Park there uh, in that church where they, uh, Dr. Bob and L.W. met with the pastor for weeks, hammering out the 12 steps. I mean, it was cool to be in this big 
office up on the second floor of this church where the 12 steps were kind of hammered out. 12 steps. Today, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening. Having had a spiritual awakening. Again, imagine that you have gone through the 12 steps. We've gone through the 12 steps, but I mean really deliberately. Some of you in this room may have been in treatment and gone through the 12 steps. Well, I know some of you in this room have been in treatment because I know your story for sure, but really deliberately and intentionally working through the 12 steps, the spiritual awakening uh, has come to your life as a result of these steps. We tried to carry the message then to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So it's like now that we have reached sanity on some level, stability and order in our own life, it's now time to make sure that we go outside ourselves and we pass on the message, passing it on, carrying the fight, carrying the message of the gospel, letting others know that's what, what hap has happened in our life can happen in another's. Want you to pick up your pen. Let's go to work. I have three questions for you. <clears throat> so as we consider step, step 12, and it deals with the spiritual awakening, first question, have you had a spiritual awakening? Have you had a spiritual awakening? Um, I want to show you a, a, the passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, as you consider even answering this question. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life has begun. Amen, amen. A new creature. You get a fresh start, a clean start. It's possible. There is no doubt that there are men in this room that have had that experience, spiritual awakening. I trust that many of you, if not most of you, have. But I would also be shocked, and I would not believe it, if there wasn't men, uh, weren't men in this room that need that. And that's why you're here this morning. You didn't come here looking for a spiritual awakening on a conscious level, but deep down in your unconscious, it's like, I'm here because I need some help. I need some help. Spiritual awakening. My spiritual awakening, um, I would say, was kind of in three phases in a sense. First of all, I was raised in a little country church in Elizabethton, Tennessee. I got a chance to take Scott and Marek and Jim and a few other guys uh, to my hometown a few weeks ago. Just little country church in Elizabethton, Tennessee. Uh, grew up hearing hymns and um, being in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Mom, I don't want to go to church. I don't care what you want to do. Get your shirt on and you're going to church. Um, so that's why I was raised. And that and that was 
my spiritual awakening in many ways. I mean, I, there was never a time in my life on a conscious level that I can uh, remember not knowing the gospel on some level. God loved me. Jesus died for me. Easter was important. That's a very simple gospel message when you're a little kid, and it grew from there. My second spiritual awakening event happened when I was at the University of Tennessee, and I'd been playing hippie way too long, and uh, I got into a really bad place, a really bad place, a really bad place, and I remembered the gospel, and I sat with a friend, and he actually shared the gospel with me more clearly and helped me understand that I'm a sinner, and the only hope and provision for my sin that I have is the provision that God has provided through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if I put my faith in Jesus, that I would have forgiveness, forgiveness of all my sins, and through the resurrection power of Jesus would then have the hope and the promise of eternal life. Would I like to pray a prayer to ask Jesus into my life and put my faith in an object that is the most sure object in all of reality and all the world? And I said yes. And in literally um, just a flood of tears, heaving tears, I surrendered to Jesus on that day. That started an incredible journey. Next week, I'm at the University of Tennessee, and I feel like, as far as I know in my conscience, I'm the only Christian in Knoxville. Because, because uh, that's been said before. <laughs> still, still may be the case. But in, in my reality, there were no other Jesus believers in my circle of friends. In fact, it is so funny. Uh, many of you know that my dog, who is in the car right now, Duke, who is my shadow, uh, it's so funny that I have this dog named Duke because when I came to Christ and, you know, God started changing my life, one of my close buddies, I, to this day, I still don't know his real name. His name was Duke. You know, you know those buddies that they just go by one name like Prince or something, you know? I had those buddies. I, I still don't know his name, you know? I think he had a mama and a daddy. Well, he was probably just dropped out of space. You know, he was pretty pretty spacey. Um, but Duke pulls me in, in, in the bedroom in, in my apartment. He said, dude, dude, just like that, dude, how did you do it? And I said, what do you mean? How did I do it? He said, well, you know, quit all this party and stuff. How, how did you do it? I said, well. I came to Jesus. He said, no, 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 I don't mean all that religious stuff. I mean, how did you do it? <laughs> I said, dude, that's how I did it. I came to Jesus. I had a spiritual awakening. Still's got some of those friends, I know. The third, the third great awakening in my life was after I was on staff with Campus Crusade, um, professional Christian married, um, had two baby girls, and um, I wound up in a mental hospital with a hospital bracelet around my arm. 
And, uh, man, I was broken. I think, you know, this is not supposed to happen to Jesus' followers. And yet I learned uh, to love Jesus in a deeper way, 30 days in a facility. Uh, yes, I am certifiable crazy. Um, and God took me to another level of spiritual awakening in that. Uh, I've got a lot of training, got, you know, graduate degrees and all that, but the best piece of training that I ever got was getting a hospital bracelet around my arm because God really helped me to understand how to live wholly and not just isolated within myself and how to be fully me. And I'm, and I'm pretty excited about being fully me. I kind of like me, you know. Carla says a little too much. But what does she know? Spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening. Second question. Who are you concerned about, praying for, knows that needs help? Who are you really concerned about? And gentlemen, if, if you can't think of anybody, I hope tonight before you go to bed, you'll get on your hands and knees and confess that. That's wrong. That's wrong. I mean, there is no man in this room that doesn't have an awareness of somebody hurting, somebody that needs help. Again, I don't know the family of the little girl that was killed in the accident on Ridgewood. I, I heard about it down in Fairhope on Friday on our way to a graduation. There may be uh, people here that, that know that family. Man, that tore my heart out. I mean, that's tragic. But there's nobody here that doesn't know somebody that's hurting and somebody in need. I get lots of uh, kind of kind of 911 calls, you know, being in, in, in what I do as a counselor, and I got a, a kind of 911 call, you know, Phil, call me if you get a chance, uh, really in need of help. And um, guy's calling me, and he's got a family member that's struggling with alcohol, and we thought he was on the wagon, and then he's telling me, no, he ain't on the wagon, he's under the wagon, you know, all of that. What are we going to do? And so we kind of talk through that, and um, he's heavy on my heart, but it's like, guys, nobody really grows until you start taking responsibility for somebody else's growth, that you care enough to be response-able to another person. I mean, think about it. Many of us are dads in this room. <laughs> Did that baby change your life? You know, I was so slow. The first one didn't affect me much. I said, well, that's kind of cool. The second one got my attention. And it was only about three months later that I was in the hospital with a hospital brace around my arm because I think I was going through postpartum depression. You know, I was, I was a little slow. It took two uh, for me to realize, whoa, this is different. But when, when you start taking responsibility for another person, again, spiritually, caring about them, that's when you're really growing. You've gotten out of your narcissistic, selfish, self-absorbed, controlling self, 
and you're willing to sit with somebody that you don't have a clue what, what to tell them to do, but you just sit with them. And that, that is ministry. People who know what to tell you to do, they're annoying. I, I don't want to sit with somebody that tells me what to do because, you know, guys, I really believe, and I learned this in graduate school, and when I heard it for the first time, it just resonated with me, that every man and woman that comes into my counseling office, on some level, they know what the problem is, and they know the solution. If I think that they've come to me in order to know the solution to their problems, it's arrogant and stupid on my part. What we all need is more of a traveling partner and just somebody to put their arm around us. And every once in a while, I'll say something that's reasonably helpful, but it's more about just sitting. I was sitting with this one couple. This, this is hilarious. I was sitting with this one couple, and I said something that was evidently reasonably helpful. And, and, and the guy said, boy, that's, that's really good. And I said, yeah, I watch a lot of TV. And he said, yeah, I watch Dr. Phil, too. I thought that was hilarious. So, so, yeah, so I've been, I've been watching Dr. Phil lately. All right, third question. <laughs> That's right. Practice. Practice. And to practice these principles in all of our affairs. What do you do daily to practice mature living? What, what are the non-negotiables of your day? What do you do? Amen. Renew the mind. Exactly. It's more than brushing your teeth and combing your hair. I take a shower every day. Well, I'm, well good for you. But how about reading my Bible, renewing my mind daily, journaling I have a journal, a journal. I write things down in my journal. I want to be intentional and deliberate about life. I check in with my wife. I check in with my wife. You know, this uh, commuting thing that I've been doing, it's hard to believe that um, in June, I will have been commuting from Fairhope for four years. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Every Tuesday morning, I leave my house about 5.15 a.m., I drive to uh, Fairhope, and I mean, I drive to Jackson, and I'm up here Tuesday, Wednesday, half a day on Thursday. I leave Thursday afternoon, this afternoon, about 2 o'clock from my office, and I'll be home by 6.30 tonight. But what I do, even when I'm up here, is uh, when I leave my office on Tuesday night and Wednesday night, headed to where I'm going to be uh, for the night, um, I feel like a vagabond. Ricky Davis takes me in about half the time is I call Carla and I check in with her. That's a daily habit, you know. I don't want to ever miss that. I want to know how she's doing. She wants to know how I'm doing. I don't, I don't think I could do this or, or that I would do this if I didn't have somebody that cared about me and that I care about. I don't, I don't think I could do it. Now, you know, again, God can do anything and he gives grace. And Joe, you, you understand. I mean, you know. You cared for Kim for years, and I know you miss her deeply, deeply. 
the daily habit of just talking in your family about the Lord, giving testimony to what God's doing. God's going to bring us through. God's going to get us through. Do you talk about that as a daily habit in your family? Psalm is all, the Psalms are filled with, and we tell of the Lord's work in our families, just acknowledging that. It's huge. And then living in community, it's a daily habit. I got to stay connected. I've got to stay connected. Who knows what you're going through right now? Every man in this room I know is going through some kind of challenge. You have some insecurities. You have some fears. You have some anxieties. You have some challenges. You have some questions. Who knows about that? Oh, nobody. <laughs> no, I wouldn't tell that. Dude, you're going down. You're going down. Somebody needs to know life is a team sport. Find a team. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, kind of the anchoring verse in this, um, see here, uh, in, in this step, step 12. Dear brothers and sisters, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Now, that is a tricky verse. In, in your study Bible, it says something that if any man is caught in a trespass, and I, and, and I would say this kind of in the way that I write it in my own personal way, is if any man is caught in chaos, because chaos is the fruit of sin. If any man who is, is caught in chaos, you who are more spiritual, is what it says in your study Bible, I would just say this, who's more spiritual? I, that, that language is difficult for me because I'm more spiritual than you? No. I don't feel comfortable with that, even though that's what the Scripture says. But you who are, are at least in an orderly place, uh, you who are not in chaos. You know, my good friend and many of our good friend, Dr. Mike Stoddard, uh, Mike uh, has just retired from being an ER doctor uh, over Meridian. He's commuted from Jackson uh, for years. Uh, he and Angel just built a house in Fairhope, getting ready to move in it. But uh, Dr. Mike, you know, was an ER doctor over Meridian for 20, 25 years. Praise God, my friend Mike Stoddard, he in the ER room, he brings order to chaos. I mean, it, it's, it's fun to sit and, and talk to Mike about all the funny stories, what he's seen coming through those ER room. You who are orderly, who can bring order to chaos, sit with somebody who is in chaos, like they're coming through the ER room. Ah, ah, Johnny's been shot. Johnny's been shot. And Dr. Mike just brings order. But be careful. Im Im implicit in this, implied is, be careful not to judge somebody 
not to look down on them because you may be caught up in the very same thing. And I've seen that happen. You know, somebody criticizes, I can't believe he did that. I would never do that. They'd never say that. That is stupid, right? You know, I would never do that. Or I, I, I love it, like, you know, like when somebody's being interviewed and, and you know, some mama said, well, you know, that, that couldn't have been Billy because Billy would never do that. Oh, yeah, Billy would, too. <laughs> Billy did that. You know? And it's like you and me are fully capable of doing anything that somebody else has done, you know? Who do you care about? Who can you bring order to? Really critical. See, see the 12 steps, or step 12, step 12 looks something like this, just in a summary. First of all, we've got to have that spiritual awakening. When I was at the University of Tennessee, um, and I was, I was really in a dark, bad place. Uh, too much chaos, too much chaos, too much chaos, too much chaos. Um, I drove home, and um, uh, my daddy said to me, uh, first thing he said to me when he saw me is on a Monday morning. I'm not supposed to be home on Monday morning when I'm at the University of Tennessee. He looks at me. And all he can say is, do you need to see a psychiatrist? <laughs> well, what I should have said is that, yeah, Daddy, I'm, I am uh, crazy. I uh, have to be careful of my words here. Uh, I am crazy. But, no, I, I didn't say that. All I said was, I just need to get my life right with God. I knew enough from singing those hymns in that little country church that I, I didn't know exactly how to find God, but I knew I needed God. Spiritual awakening. <clears throat> and then somehow we are to get in the mindset to take the message and change the world. Change the world. Really? Jesus said that that which I have given to you, teach others, make disciples. Guys, I, I would be serious with you. Do not tell me that you've had a spiritual awakening and you're not reaching out to others. I don't believe that's possible. I think, I think, I think you're like the old Indian that says you're taught, you're, you speak with forked tongue. You're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. It's like if you've had a spiritual awakening, you can't help but want to change the world and tell others. And then it's this idea of practice. Yeah, practice. Practice daily. Practice daily. Show up at practice. Every now and then you get to play the game. But really, most of the time, you're just practice. You're just practice. See, the spiritual awakening, three things, in touch with reality, that I really understand what's going on. Because when I'm not in a spiritual awakening place, I am deceived. 
I'm a liar. I'm in denial. I have blind spots. But when I'm fully awake, spiritually awake, I'm willing to see reality. That I've been transformed and I'm fully, fully present. Being present. Christianity uh, Today magazine had a brief article uh, a few years ago on spiritual awakening. And they helped to break this down into small pieces, five pieces that I'd invite you to write down. Spiritual awakening. Number one is awaking to longing. An awakening to longing. What do you want is what Jesus said. I don't believe Jesus ever healed anybody that he first did not ask them either implicitly or explicitly, what do you want? So longing. And then have those longings checked by Scripture and counselors. But what do you really want? And that will lead us to the cross every time. God has put in us a longing for himself but we are too easily satisfied with less than adequate lovers. That's what the Bible says. Secondly, an awakening to regret. Oh, I don't have any regrets. You know, really? You've never hurt anybody? You've never done anything stupid? Man, you are in denial. Regrets. What do you wish you hadn't done? What do you wish that you would say? What could you say? Who do you need to talk to today and apologize to? Awakening to regret. That's healthy. Thirdly, awakening to help. It's the four-letter word that most men won't say. We'll say all those other four-letter words, but we will not say H-E-L-P. I need help. Come and get some help. Fourthly, awaken to love. Not sex, but love. And that in whatever level we get to have sex is that it's an expression of love. Of course, we're going to spend the whole summer talking about that. Summer of love. Summer of love. And then finally, awaken to life. You know, it's interesting, in, in, the, in the Greek language, there's two words for life. Bios, B-I-O-S, is the way we would write it in English, and zo, Z-O-E. Bios means life relative to just the uh, journey, chronological age. Bios, B-I-O-S, it's your biography, your life story, chronological age. But zoe, Z-O-E, is the Greek word for life. That means eternal life, deep life, a deep life of the soul, truly meant to be lived out is what Jesus promises in John when he says, I came to give Zoe, I came to give life, not bios, not 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, I came to give something deep, Zoe. It's a totally different Greek word. I want to show you a clip. I love this clip. 
And it's the idea of taking what we have and pressing it out to the world. Change the world. Take the message to somebody else. It's out of the movie, Pay It Forward. I love this scene. Watch this. This class is social studies. That is you and the world. Yes, there is a world out there. And even if you decide you don't want to meet it, it's still going to hit you right in the face. Believe me. So, best you start thinking about the world now and what it means to you. What does the world mean to you? Come on, a little class participation here. Is it just this class you want to get out of? Your house, your street? Any further any of you want to go than that? Yes? The mall. That's only like two miles away from me. (laughs) Well, let me ask you another question. How often do you think about things that happen outside of this town? You watch the news? Yes? No? All right, so we're not global thinkers yet, but why aren't we? We're 11. Good point. What's your name? Trevor. Maybe Trevor is absolutely right. Why should we think about the world? I mean, after all, what does the world expect of us? Expect. Mm -hmm. Of you. What does the world expect of you? Nothing. Nothing. My God, boys and girls, he's absolutely right. Nothing. I mean, here you are, you can't drive, you can't vote, you can't even go to the bathroom without a pass from me. You're stuck right here in the seventh grade. But not forever, because one day you'll be free. All right, what if on that day you're free, you haven't prepared, you're not ready, And then you look around you and you don't like what the world is. What if the world is just a big disappointment? (coughs) We're screwed. Unless, (laughs) Unless you take the things that you don't like about this world and you flip them upside down right on their ass. Don't tell your parents I used that word. And you can start that today. This is your assignment. Extra credit, it goes on all year long. Now, wait a minute, what, what, what's wrong with this? What's the matter? Yes? It's, it's like, so... So what, there must be a word to finish that sentence. Someone help her? Weird. Crazy. Crazy. Hard. Bummer. Bummer. Hard. How about possible? It's possible. The realm of possibility exists where? In each of you. Here. So you can do it. You can surprise us. It's up to you. Or you can just sit back and let it atrophy. Atrophy. If there is a word you hear that you don't understand, there's a dictionary at the front of the room. Look it up. 
And there are these dictionaries, which you will carry with you at all times, because in this class, we're going to learn to love words and their meanings. Any questions? Yeah. So you'll like flunk us if we don't change the world. Well, no, I wouldn't do that. But you might just squeak by with a C. <laughs> What you ever do to change the world? Well, Trevor, I get a good night's sleep. I eat a hearty breakfast. I show up on time. And then I pass the buck to you. <laughs> now, I want you all to write your names in these books. And what's your name? Molly. Oh, right. I want Molly. Gentlemen, we are called to change the world. Not out there, not way over there, right here. People that you know, people that you'll talk to today hurting people that you know, send a card, send a text, send an email, call somebody, have lunch. Don't try to fix them. That's annoying. Just sit. Tell your story of your own journey of pain. See this idea of practicing three things. Face the issues daily, one day at a time, confront the pain because that's what gets us into addiction is that we don't want to have any pain. We're just going to drink more, eat more, avoid more. And then the rhythm of recovery. It's like a song. It's like a dance, a rhythm, a rhythm, daily practicing the rhythm of life. The 12 steps, wow, what a journey, what a God, what a God. Let's close in prayer. Father, you are amazing. You're amazing that you've given us your word. You're amazing that you give us people in our lives that father us, that mentor us, that care for us. You've given us hurting people in our lives for us to care for. Father, may we receive the good things you give us and the hard things that you put before us in a way that elicits trust from us, trust in your power, trust in your provision, trust in your daily manna so that we would bring glory to you and healing to us. In the wonderful and beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.